Well, it's troubling. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. Uh, troubling information that came out of a new report. It's a study by a group called Safeguard Defenders. This is a European agency, uh, and they have reported that police, Chinese police have set up in more than 50, more than 50 different locations in countries all around the world, including right here in Canada. So to find out exactly what's going on, we're going to chat with Charles Burton, who is a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. We've had him on the show before. It's always a delight. Charles, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Good to speak with you again. Okay, so this report, uh, tell us what's going on here. Chinese police officials operating in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not... Chinese police officials operating in Canada is not new news. You know, they, we've had uh, cases in the past where it's been discovered that Chinese police have entered our country on false documentation. You know, they deceive our embassy in Beijing to giving them a visa by claiming that they are um, businessmen and they get someone in Canada who's in on this to invite them for ostensibly business purposes. And then once they get here, they look for Chinese people that they want to return to China. So, you know, this would be um, corrupt officials who have relocated to Canada and bought real estate and so on, trying to keep a step ahead of the anti-corruption campaign or political factionalism. Or political dissidents who, you know, saw the writing on the wall yep. and were able to get out. Or, um, you know, real criminals like members of triad gangs who are involved in serious criminal activity. So they come here and they meet with them and try and convince them to willingly render themselves back to China, typically by threatening their families. You know, I know of a case of a political dissident who returned to China and was subject to imprisonment after they threatened to take away his mother's house. So, you know, this has been going on. What's new is that the Chinese authorities are now establishing actual offices, you know, permanent offices in our country to uh, facilitate this kind of activity. Now, does this happen? I mean, this seems very unusual to me. I can imagine some instances where governments will form a partnership and allow for this kind of activity. But is this just the Chinese arbitrarily opening up police offices in Canada? Covertly, yeah. I mean, we have an RCMP officer stationed at the Canadian Embassy sure. in Beijing yeah. who negotiates with the police. And, you know, um, maybe there's a crime that's occurred in Canada where our RCMP would like to, to get information back in China to develop the case and have the evidence. And the procedure is, of course, that you contact the police in the country that you want to do the investigation and they accompany you every step of the way right well of course in the case of the chinese police they don't want an rcmp officer you know hanging over their their shoulders as they're engaged in in activities which are not consistent with our with our norms of policing you know i mean we don't have extradition with china for good reason they they torture people in interrogation they they give you the death penalty at the drop of a hat and they don't believe in, you know, um, due process of yeah. law and rules of evidence, you know. So so the Chinese don't have an extradition treaty with Canada. They have people they want to get back. They want to seize their assets, you, you know, which benefits a lot of elements in China if you seize someone's assets. Um, and uh, they're going to do it their way. And apparently, we are going to let them do it. You know, we, we seem to be tolerating the increase in this activity in our country, which just seems completely nuts to me yeah that that's the question canada just seems to be okay with this is there any pushback any intervention or do we just seem to be letting this happen turning a blind eye to it 
Well, you know, the people who are harassed by these um, agents coming out of these facilities, you know, such as Canadian uh, of Tibetan origin or Canadians of Uyghur origin or Hong Kong democracy activists have been trying to get the government to take this seriously and to, you know, and to arrest some of these agents who are engaged in these gross violations of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms uh, and to expel Chinese diplomats who are running these operations out of the embassy and consulates around the country, including in Alberta. Um, but uh, they, they get completely stonewalled and nothing, nothing has happened. You know, Amnesty International has been calling for the government to set up a unit to deal with this activity since 2017. And we get a lot of lip service and how they think it's very important to protect uh, Canadians in Canada and so on. But when it comes down to actually making the Chinese accountable for this activity. We don't seem to have done anything, and of course it emboldens them to do more, and now setting up these permanent offices in Canada is, uh, you know, is sort of an inevitable uh, extension. And Charles, it seems every time you and I talk, it's the same thing. It's China just completely and utterly ignoring international law or tradition or norms, or and Canada just sort of looking the other way or, or not pushing back or just seeming to put up with it. It seems to be just yet another example of this. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue really is that, you know, I tell the truth about these things. Uh, you and your listeners get it, uh, but the government just uh, stonewalls us. You know, we're not getting any action on Chinese espionage or, or now this police activity outrage or any of the other sort of malign activities yeah, I mean we, we've talked about doing here we've talked about them interfering with um, uh, universities getting you know infiltrating themselves into uh, the education system into the political system into businesses I mean they've got their fingers in everything Charles yeah this is the problem and it's it's an increasing problem you know it, it happens slowly and gradually and it builds up and when when is our government going to decide that you know, they can sacrifice the interests of Canadian businesses who don't want to make the Chinese mad in any way for fear of yeah. endangering their contracts and deciding that Canadian security and sovereignty counts for something and that it is under threat. What could we do? I mean, realistically speaking, what kind of uh, action could we take? Could we, could we force them to close down these offices? Could we kick them out? I mean, what, what kind of action do we have available? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we should be kicking out people that are going around menacing people in Canada. You know, the, the state has the monopoly on violence in our country. You know, if anyone is going to be engaging in violence against uh, um, people in Canada, regardless of whether they, you know, are guilty of, of whatever crimes or corruption or, or political distance, uh, that should be done by us. And so, you know, this is just completely unacceptable activity for foreigners to come into our country and intimidate people who are resident here so of course we should ex we should um you know if those people are are canadians um, and 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 or even just residents of canada they should be subject to the full force of the law for their violations of of our law and if they are diplomats then uh, we ought to tell them uh, sorry you're not welcome here any longer go back to beijing and this report it's says simple. Yeah, and this report, it, it's not just Canada, it's happening in other countries too, so uh, w what are they doing? Are, are you seeing pushback in other locations? No, I think that the Chinese operate wherever they can get away with it. Right, you know, yeah. And 
and I think that's that's the story here. If you look at the where those 54 offices that they've identified, I mean, presumably there are a lot more. I mean, if they're if they're in three offices in Toronto, they got to have some in uh, Vancouver and Calgary and so on. That just stands to reason. So you, you know, if you look at those governments, they're all governments that have the same thing. They they've got strong business interests that have been intimidated by the Chinese authorities to lobby governments not to make waves. And, you know, if this just involves a few people of Chinese ethnic background, we should just let that go. Unbelievable, Charles. Uh, You know what? It's not unbelievable. We've talked about this several (laughs) times. Frustrating, but not unbelievable, unfortunately. Yeah, so true. So true. eh? Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you joining us once again. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.